and welcome to the podcast. I'm Ajeline. And I'm Gracie. And it's just a podcast where we talk about movies. What's it called? Yeah. <laughs> it's called The Feminist Critique. Yes. <laughs> and the entire point of The Feminist Critique is to watch the movie, decide if it's a good one, and if it is feminist. Or, what's that word, Aisling? Intersectional. <laughs> Intersectional. <laughs> Sexual feeling. Fuck. Speaking of Marvin Gaye, he was actually in the news recently. So was Richard Pryor. And you know what? Today, Michael Jackson was in the news. That is so weird. Did you hear about that? No. So today, I found out uh, there was some news circulating that Michael Jackson actually stole the song Billie Jean from another artist. Yeah, because the thing about Richard Pryor that they were talking about was um, that him and Marlon Brando um, had sex in the 70s. Yeah, and uh, then uh, the, Richard Pryor's... The 60s and the 70s were an interesting time. Well, yeah, that's actually what his... Because his wife confirmed it. And uh, nice. and she was like, yeah, and she was like, you know, it was the 70s. It was a crazy time because uh, Quincy Jones um, was in the news, too, because he did an interview recently. Uh, this is all connected, by the way. You would be surprised. I think it was Quincy Jones that said something about Michael Jackson stealing Billie Jean. Oh, that's that's probably it, because he like did this whole interview. He also said that he dated Ivanka Trump. So. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, anyway, today we're going to be discussing The Wiz from 1978, mm -hmm. which is the African-American version of The Wizard of Oz. Um, now, some basics. We've got Diana Ross as Dorothy. Diana Ross, of course, is known for Diana Ross and the Supremes. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And being a legend. Huh? And being a legend. Yeah, she was also in Lady Sings the Blues, where she played Billie Holiday. So she uh, is definitely not new to acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Lena Lena Horn as Glinda from uh, she's known for Zigfield Zigfield Follies and Death of a Gunfighter. She's got a huge music career. She's a really big activist. She's actually a descendant of a uh, former mm-hmm. Vice President John C. Calhoun. Really? And um, mm-hmm. yeah, this was interesting. Uh, the director of the film was actually her son-in-law at the time. So wow, yeah. Uh, we got Michael Jackson, who was twenty at the time of this movie. He plays Scarecrow. He looks. Um, he obviously he looked really young, but like, yeah, you could. He looked young. This was this was way before the skin bleaching and the mm-hmm. nose issue. Yeah, <laughs> this is before Billy Jean. Yeah, <laughs> and Thriller. Um, All of it. He had a huge music career, known for the Jackson 5, King of Pop, you know. 
Yeah. Uh, then we have Nipsey Russell as the Tin Man. He was known for TV shows mostly, like Barefoot in the Park and Car 54. Uh, Ted Ross was the lion, who was also known as Fleetwood Coop DeVille. Oh. Um, mostly TV guest spots, which surprised me because I thought he was really good in it, but he really did a lot of guest work more than any main stuff. Okay. Which is unfortunate because I feel like he would have been like, you know, he kind of reminded me of Uncle Phil. Yeah. Um, from uh, Fresh Prince. Then we have Teresa Merritt, who played Aunt M. She did a lot of TV guest hosting, uh, TV guest spots. She also did another musical called The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, oh. which is a movie with Dolly Parton. Yeah. And is based on a true story, funnily enough. Oh, really? Uh, Richard... Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, because yeah. uh, what's the it? Chicken Ranch. The Chicken Ranch, and also um, ZZ Top sang about them. Le Grand. Okay, anyways. Richard Pryor was the whiz. He's known for blazing fat saddles and ble- being one of the best stand up comics of all time. Um, Gra- uh, Gracie. He wasn't in Blazing Saddles. Yeah, he was. No, he wasn't. That was another actor. He was supposed to be in Blazing Saddles, but he wasn't. I could have swore he... Who was in Blazing Saddles? Um, it was another actor. No! Yeah, he was in... It's Richard C- Pryor and, G- and uh, Gene Wilder. Girl, no. I know. I know, okay? I know my shit, no. okay? Then what was he in? He he was in other stuff. No, it was uh, Cleavon Little was in Blazing Saddles. Oh, yeah. No, he was in Sino. Really he... bad. No, the... because I could have. Sw- that's a Mandela effect thing. Do you know? How- I can't even. Uh, well, because that's the thing. His I'm so annoyed. I... No, no, no. Listen, listen. That part was actually written for him, but. He wasn't That's probably where I heard it from. Yeah, but he wasn't actually in it. Um, but he did work with uh, Gene Wilder on many projects. So the, that's kind of, you know, you were like, oh, he must have been in that because. Yeah, my bad. It's OK. I'm sorry. I had to correct you. No, no that's good. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's, OK. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was directed by, uh, we'll get back to the whiz. I'm gonna, you know, casually skip over my huge mistake. No, no, um, it's cool. It was <laughs> directed by Sidney Lumet. Uh, he's known for murder, murder on the Orient Express and 12 Angry Men. So, like, he's one of the best directors of his time. hmm You know. Wow. Um, it was written by Joel Schumacher who has written movies like Phantom of the Opera and Phone Booth. Okay. So, Joel Schumacher has been around for a while. Uh, it was based on the book and stage musical by William F. Brown, which is based on the novel Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Oh, okay. Yep. Now, let us begin. Oh, wait. No, I forgot. It actually didn't do that well at the box office. No, um, it says that here. It was like, because um, it was part budget of... of ch- 
Yeah, it had a budget of $24 million, which was a huge budget. Yeah. But it only grossed $21. Um, and at the time, it um, it was part of uh, that resurgent of um, African-American films um, in the, like, early 70s. But, like, do you know what I mean? It came... Yeah, it came a little after the black exploitation stuff of yeah. the 70s. Like the black exploitation movies were like in their prime 72 to 76 and this came out in 78. Yeah, this was considered um kind of the end of that uh of that yeah. like era of movies. Um but it did become a cult classic. Uh so people because not only for um for African-American audiences, uh, people that love The Wizard of Oz and also fans of Michael Jackson. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's amazing that it did so poorly considering the star power. I mean, at the time, Richard Pryor was one of the top comic acts, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And uh, Diana Ross had a huge career in the 60s. Yeah. In the Supremes. Mm-hmm. And Michael Jackson, huge career in the late 60s, early 70s because of the Jackson 5. So it's insane that it did so poorly at the box office when it had three of the biggest names, especially in black entertainment mm-hmm. at the time. So. Exactly. I, I don't under. I mean, and that's not a bad movie. Which no, we'll it's, get into. it's pretty good. <laughs> um, we'll actually start talking about that now. Uh, so, in the original Wizard of Oz, we have Dorothy, she's like 14, she lives in Kansas, and this, we have Dorothy, who is a 24-year-old kindergarten teacher who lives in Harlem. Yep. She's pretty shy and, uh, very quiet, but she lives with her aunt and uncle, and, uh, she's extremely introverted, um... And she's kind yeah. of teased by her Aunt M that, like, you know, she's never been south of um, 125th Street and, uh, you know, has kind of delayed moving out, starting her own independent life as an adult, which, oh, you know, yeah, I think and many... apparently she shouldn't be a kindergarten teacher, but a high school teacher. But, well, to make more money, right, and get that independence to to eventually move out, which I'm sure there's a lot of um, adults at this age, like now that uh, feel very similar where they're still living with their parents at, you know, mid-20s, right? Yeah, I'm 26 and I still live with my parents. Granted, I am my parents' caregiver, but there was, you know, but, like, I I wouldn't not date someone because they live with their parents. Like, that's a joke from, like, movies made 10 years ago. Like, oh, my God, he still lives with his parents. Like, now... We understand why you live with your parents. Well, that's because, you know, nine years ago (laughs) is when the crash happened, right? In uh, 2009. And once that happened, like, everybody was moving in with their parents. (laughs) Like, what else did we have to do? Like, I'm like, we get it. We get it. Dorothy has a job she loves. Yep. But she's just not making that dough. It Mm -hmm. happens. Um, Now... I rented this to watch it on Amazon Prime, and they actually give me some trivia stuff. Funnily enough, the director was not originally um, Sidney Limit; It was John Bedham, and he was fired because he thought he, like, got super pissed off about Diana Ross 
playing Dorothy because Dorothy's supposed to be 14. And Diana Ross was 33 at the time. Yeah. So they fired him. Mm. Yeah. Motown, I think, had a lot of... Uh, our people involved in Motown Records, I think, had a lot of the production value of this movie. Yeah. They also had produced the stage play before it. So um, they obviously were like, we're not having any of your shit. This is Diana fucking Ross. Yeah, exactly right. And I mean... <laughs> She's um like she's a legend for a reason. She's she's amazing and she did a very amazing job. Like I I hardly recognized her as, you know, this this character, well, I guess maybe you could call I it I do like- th- I do think that I think this is this is her first or second film role. Mm-hmm. I do think that she's guilty of overacting. Oh, maybe a little, yeah. There are some parts where I'm like, girl, you gotta calm down. But then I think this movie was not really targeted for people our age. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was uh, for more children, right? Yeah, I mean, it's rated G. It's based on The Wizard of Oz. It's, you know, it's not exactly for us, you know? I mean, there are definitely things that I would guess, like, more of a teenager yeah kind of thing so i would guess this was geared more towards teenagers so um so she's cleaning up after this big meal with uh, the whole family and uh, like there's a little there was uh singing at the beginning too um and uh yeah, her dog the thing the thing that annoyed me about that singing mm-hmm. was that when she was singing the soundtrack wasn't going along with her lips oh i didn't notice that I did. It's a pet peeve of mine. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. I, I was teasing. Anyways, so um, what ends up happening is... Um, sorry. Who? Uh, her dog ends up running out into the snowstorm. And it and it's a really bad one, right? So she goes out to to get her dog, right? Because you can see at the beginning, like she loves Toto, right? Toto, mm-hmm. Toto. Um, it's Toto. Toto, shut up! Hey, you know what? I'm sorry that I have, uh, like, fuck! I can't even say it. See, that's a the problem. Impediment. Now, yeah, I have a speech impediment. Ha- okay. No, you have an accent. It's okay. I do have an accent, okay? It's a Canadian East Coast accent, and y'all should shove it. That was kind of that was kind of southern, <laughs> whatever. I hate you. You've been uh, hanging around with me too much. <laughs> I have, I have. I like legit open up my um my radio show. I'm like, how y'all doing? I'm like, fuck, <laughs> fucking hell. Um. Anyway, so she ends up getting uh Toto. And uh, there's a magical whirlwind made out of snow. And this is the work of Glinda, the Good Witch of the South. And it transports Dorothy into the land of Oz. And uh, once released from the snowstorm, she um, ends up in a sandbox. Uh, but she, like, she goes through, like, it's this... It's kind o- of funny that she ends up in a sandbox. Because one of the things her aunt says was, you don't need to be in that sandbox forever. Mm-hmm. Talking about her being a kindergarten teacher. Also, I would like to point out, why the fuck did Glinda interfere? Like, bitch, who asked you to interfere on my life? Know what I mean? 
anyways, so she goes, she smashes through like this electric Oz sign. And the Z ends up hitting um, somebody the called Evermean, who is the Wicked Witch of the East, who rules Munchkinland. Yeah. Uh, when the uh, graffiti people come out, um, one of them says, you know, she was the Parks Department Commissioner, the Wicked Witch of the East, Evermean. And when she caught kids doing graffiti, they... She turned them into graffiti. <laughs> Isn't that a bit counterproductive? A, a little. She's not doing a very good job of cleaning up the streets, but, you know, who am I? <laughs> um. So then she meets... And then we meet Miss One. Yes, Miss One. Who, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but, like, her, her deal was, like, you know, numbers and stuff, and she had, like, a ton of bags. She's... She, she was, was like, lotto. yeah, she was like one of those like bag lady lotto ladies, which, okay, mm-hmm. so I work at a place where we sell lotto, um, Shoppers Drug Mart, what? Um, anyways, she, free she advertising was, again, I see. Yeah, <laughs> soon we'll be selling pot too. No, um, <laughs> you laugh, but like they're actually going to be selling, well, not selling, but like miracle, medical marijuana. Whatever. Noise. Noise. Yeah. <laughs> I get to go and work and get hot. No. Fucking <laughs> <I can> hell. <laughs> so, <laughs> smoke every day. Um, smoke a toke. Smoke a toke. Jesus I Christ. Um, anywho. So, um, like, we've all met this lady. If you've worked anytime, like, at a convenience store or something, like, this bag lady who is just always playing the lotto. And I've met this lady countless times. So, I just, I thought that was There's kinda... nothing wrong with her. Like, she's just over oh, no, the top. No. no, she's just over the top, yeah. But uh, <laughs> she ends up putting the silver slippers onto Dorothy's feet. And uh, De- Dorothy declares that, like, she doesn't want those shoes. Like, she doesn't want to steal anybody's shoes, right? She just wants to go home. But Miss Wan is like, you can't go home. You have to go and see the Wiz if you want to go home to uh, and follow the Yellow Brick Road to Emerald City. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, funny story. Gracie, uh, why Dorothy am I doing all the talking did- with this one? You are. I know. Now, funny story, when Dorothy gives her address of Prospect Place, and, like, there's that one little, you know, how uh, her aunt says she's never been south of, what, 126th Street? Okay. Prospect Place is, like, three miles away. It's in Brooklyn. (laughs) So, technically, she lives in Brooklyn for some reason. What? Oh, that's weird. The only reason I know this is one of those little trivia things that popped up while I was uh, watching a movie. Hmm. I wonder if our friend in Brooklyn knows where that is. He probably does. I see. I don't want to say his name because he'll be really mad. I bet if we give him the address, he would find it for us and take a picture. I doubt he would. Like a good friend? he'd be rude. He'd be so rude. He is rude. He's (laughs) super rude. Um, but yeah, so basically like the whole setup is with, uh, the land of Oz. It's almost like a post-apocalyptic New York. Yeah. In a way. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Because there's certain things that when they go on the screen, like, you know exactly where it is in New York. Even if, you know, you don't live in New York, you'll know because they're iconic. I mean, we'll get into it. There's a few places. Yeah. Um, but first we meet. Uh, so she decides, you know, the Miss One says that, you know, follow the Yellow Brick Road. Well, she can't fucking find the Yellow Brick Road. And then she runs into Scarecrow. Yep. Who is played by... Yeah, he, he's played by Michael Jackson, and he's being harassed by four crows. Yeah. So. That's... Now, I have to wonder if, you know, like, okay, in Dumbo, there's three or four crows, right? Mm-hmm. And they're racist caricatures. So I have to wonder if these crows were purposefully put in, you know, as a way of changing the narrative but not really because they're really shitty Mm -hmm. you know they have the same kind of attitude as the crows from the Dumbo movie you know like you're so stupid you won't amount to anything whereas in the Dumbo movie it's like your ears are too big you're not gonna fucking fly so I don't know you watch that movie now and you're just like what the actual fuck what the fuck Disney but he was an awful person. Yeah. Anyways, he so was. I, you know what? I thought that too. I went, hmm, I wonder if this is like, like for a reason, yeah. right? So, because there is a lot of metaphor in this movie, right? So, um, yeah. Anyways, what ends I mean, up happening? You, you think The Wizard of Oz is a metaphor? Holy shit. See, when The Wizard of Oz was first uh, written, it was about. Technically, it was about the gold standard versus the silver standard. In America, it was how we're backing up our money. Should we back up our money with gold or should we back it up with silver? That's literally the metaphor for The Wizard of Oz. Are you kidding me? I'm not fucking kidding you. In the book, she has silver shoes to represent the silver standard. The yellow brick road is supposed to be the gold standard. The poppy stuff is supposed to be, you know, like, opium, because opium was really huge at the time with laudanum. Huh. That is, um... I learned this in high school. Yeah, I know. Wow, that is... The more you know. (laughs) So, one of the most iconic books of all time is written about how Americans back up their money. Jesus Christ. Um, anywho, so... make a metaphor out of anything. So, um, the Scarecrow is uh, Michael Jackson, and he's made out of garbage and rags, and uh, Dorothy saves him from being viciously, viciously teased by the, uh, the crows, and, uh, you know, she ends up befriending him. I'm reading this all off of Wikipedia, so, um, this is not... Sorry. (laughs) Go. So the first song that uh, Michael Jackson sings is called You Can't Win. And it was um, in the original stage version where the graffiti people were singing it. But Mm -hmm. then they took it out because it didn't play well with the audience. But when they made the movie, they put it back in and had the Scarecrow singing it. Which makes sense because... I thought it was a weird song to be singing at that point. 
Yeah. It didn't seem to fit with the scene. Now, that's a good song. It just didn't seem to fit with the scene. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I'd well, like, overall, this movie, like, it had a very weird slow pace. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it did. And sometimes the songs just... I don't know if they were necessarily good fits for the parts where they were at. Yeah. Um, is it different with the... Because pl- I, haven't, I haven't seen the actual musical. Is it different for the musical? I, I know the musical's know. super popular. I've never, seen, I've never seen it. I know that they did it on NBC a couple years ago. Yep. As they did like, an amazing job. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't remember watching it. I, d- I don't think I watched it, actually. So I don't really watch any of those. I don't either. I watched the first one with Carrie Underwood, and I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to watch anymore. They're awful. Um, They're but really that one bad. was actually really well done, considering, right? Uh, yeah, apparently that's the best one they've come out with, yeah. which I didn't watch it because, I mean, I just... I don't think those live musicals do well without an audience. Like, I liked the Grease live because there was an audience there. Mm-hmm. You know? When you're doing a stage play without an audience, it doesn't translate that well. Yeah. You know? Uh, but, yeah. So, we meet Michael Jackson and, uh, you know, um, Dorothy shoes the crows off and everything. And one of the things that I liked about this Scarecrow compared to the one from the original version with Judy Garland is, like, this Scarecrow, he is, like, I guess full of old newspaper clippings and, like, Chinese fortunes and shit. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Chinese fortune cookie things. Because yeah. he always has these really amazing quotes, you know. And yeah. he's really smart, even though he says that he doesn't have a brain mm-hmm because he has all these like amazing um like he'll pull something out of himself and um which I, which I guess in a, in a way right that's kind of like metaphor in itself like you pull something out of yourself that is super smart right and that's what he does he pulls something you know out of himself and he's like it, it just seems to really fit in the moment most of the time right yeah, not to mention, I put down that, like, part of the metaphor for the Scarecrow and the Crows, for me, is almost like, okay, Scarecrow has this, like, negative opinion about himself because all he's ever heard is that he's good-for-nothing garbage. Mm-hmm. And I felt like this was a literal metaphor for um, black people and how white people treat them. Like, that's how I put it. In my notes. Because it really seems like that, you know? Scarecrow thinks that he can't rise above anything because he's just no good. Yeah. You know, he's full of garbage. And people look at him and they think he's nothing. And that's what the crows keep telling him over and over and over again. Huh. That's, you know, I said uh, it was a bigger metaphor about uh, racism. You know what? Which. I didn't. I didn't pull that out, but, like... Applying it, does it make sense? No, that does make sense. 
Okay. No, it's good. I'm glad you think so. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, no, that's a, that's... A, I, I think that's why, you know, this movie didn't need to, like, needed to be made because it does have, you know, those moments where... I, and... Anyways, that was a good, that was a good analogy, like, of... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean... I'm try. Part of the part of the you know thing we do with this podcast is we do have to overanalyze stuff for the podcast. Like if we just watch the movie passively, we're not going to get anything out of it. You and I are watching it to see what kind of message is it's trying to bring forward. You know, we're trying to see past the art and see what the message is. And I feel like that was part of the message, and it crops up several times. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I thought, that, and I- it's not just. Well, no, it's not uh, just that character, right? Like, um, there's a lot of oppression um, shown in this movie, right? Exactly. So. And people rising above that oppression. Exactly. Yeah, there's really one part where it's like, it couldn't be any more of a metaphor. Like, I don't even think metaphor is the right word. It's just so on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's a very satirical movie, in a way, except it's not funny, which satire doesn't necessarily have to be funny, you know, it's just taking something and making you see it differently. Yeah. I Um, think this movie is actually a really good example of satire. That isn't funny. So, um, they end up, you know, singing, um, ease on up the road, right? And, um... Ease on down the road. Sorry. Um, and then... Which is a very uplifting song, you know? I also think this is the part where Dorothy's character really starts to shine because she's telling the scarecrow, the scarecrow that, like, he isn't just, you know, made out of garbage. Like, there, he's so much more and he is, you know, worthy, right? And I think that's also a metaphor to herself as, like, you know, the shy character. And she's able to kind of, like, break through free of that um that fear that's in her own heart Mm -hmm, exactly i also will go down and say that ease on down the road is way better than we're off to see the fucking wizard yes (laughs) i would rather jam out to ease on down the road than we're off to see the wizard the wonderful wizard of oz (laughs) because because okay yeah that was uh so um, then next, she meets the Tin Man. And the Tin Man has some of the best lines in the oh movie. Oh, my God. The part where he's like, he's like, well, yes, I don't have a heart. So I, like, go for, you know, horrible ladies yeah, or he something. Says, he says, my maker blessed me with good looks, charming wit, and an irresistible attraction to the wrong women. What he forgot to add was a heart. <laughs> It was like that moment I was just like, holy shit, I love it. <laughs> and it's so sad because this is another actor who's really good, but he hasn't really been in anything, mm-hmm. you know? And it's unfortunate because, of, like, if he was an actor for this time frame, I feel like he would have a really great career. He would be like a Denzel, well, you know? Well, that's the thing. His, um, you also have to think, though, like, he, the... He was born in uh, 1918, right? 
Exactly. So, like, that was definitely a different time. And, like, he, you know, started with, I think it said uh, vaudeville, vaudeville and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He reminded me of, like, a vaudeville actor. So the fact that you brought up that he was in vaudeville does not surprise me. He yeah. had that kind of humor, you know. Which I think is really coming back. Yeah. Like that sort of, you know, dry, quick wit. Performance art, yeah. Performance yeah. art versus just plain stand-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Bo Burnham is a good example of that. He does a lot of uh, music and physical comedy and stuff. Granted, it's very uh, it's very dark, but it's funny. I think that's what like that's kind of the humor that we tend to um, enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. At this time period, like I'm starting to notice that more people really enjoy puns. Like we were told our entire lives that like puns aren't funny. They're blah blah blah. But, like, I fucking love puns. They're so great. There's actually a really good pun in this movie. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, okay. But, yeah, I like the Tin Man. Out yeah. of all of her companions, Tin Man's my favorite. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so, he he came out of, like, um, an abandoned amusement park. And, yeah, um, and then he sings a soul ballad song about a ma- and he's a man who's without a soul. I thought that was interesting. Um, and then they meet. <laughs> um, uh, then they kind of there wasn't really like uh, anything else to that other than like the singing, right? And at the amusement park, no. but yeah, that that was pretty much it. Uh, it was weird, weird people following them mm-hmm. um then they meet the cowardly lion who is yeah. um at kind of a a new york li- public library like that's it's in front of there right and he's yeah. initially in one of those stone lions mm-hmm. and that tin man's like man i think that i think that lion's watching us and you know, Scarecrow's like, you know, I might not have a brain, but that's kind of, kind of fucking stupid, there, Tin Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he was watching. And then he breaks out, and he's like, "Roar!" Yeah, he's like, "I'm the lion, and like, I'm so scary, and all this stuff, right?" Until the dog comes after him. Hey, bet me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the lion was actually my favorite in the original one. Really? <laughs> he was. Um, I will. I will have to say though, makeup and costuming for this film was fucking amazing. Oh yeah, definitely. The makeup for Tin Man was like some of the best makeup I've seen. Oh, ever. I was very impressed. I was like sh- actually just thinking that, where I was like, you know what? This is amazing makeup that's been done. Yeah. And the costuming for for everything, the makeup, like, I do know that it had Oscar nominations. I'm pretty sure makeup was one of them. Okay. Um, I will say this also. Diana Ross knows how to fucking run in heels. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Not me. No. See, I would break my ankle. 
watched. <laughs> She's literally sprinting in those bitches. Yes, she is. <laughs> um... So, yeah, they go, after they meet the lion, they, you know, they're easing on down the road again, and they end up in a subway station, and this scene is probably why I hated this movie as a child. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did not like this movie when I was little, mm. and I know why now, because I was watching this scene it was the creepiest fucking shit it's got like paper lantern people that are chasing them and trash cans that end up having teeth and pillars of tile breaking oh my god that part i was like man this must be really scary as a child like well because you have to think like that's pretty like now we look at the you know the effects or whatever and we're just we laugh at it but like Imagine for just a moment that it is 1978 and you are watching this movie in theaters for the first time. These Stop special effects are the fucking best. Subways are scary enough, okay? Have you ever been on a subway? Yes, I was on I was on the metro in DC one time and I accidentally brushed against the sky and I like and before I could even say excuse me, he looked at me and was like, are you going to fucking say excuse me, bitch? And I was like, um, sorry. Uh, uh. I thought I was going to get shot, okay? Good Lord Jesus. <laughs> See, Gracie is um, from a little town in the south, so she hasn't been to many big cities where I, on the that other was hand. My first time on a metro. <laughs> yeah, that was like, uh, what, last year? Experience. Hilarious. Um, uh, October where, maybe a year ago. Okay. So about a, a year and a few months. Where I have lived and uh, been to many cities before. So I have, uh, I've been to like London. I've been to New York. I've been to Paris. I've been to uh, Toronto. Well, I grew up near Toronto. Okay, okay. Montreal. Calgary. I went to Vancouver. Blah, blah, blah. San Francisco. You elitist piece of shit. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> anyway, so I've been on many subways and like, eh, they're not bad. I mean, they're kind of scary, but like, meh, whatever. Yeah. So they do eventually make it out of that horror hellscape that is the subway train station. And then there's, like, this weird scene where they're in front of the Poppy Love Perfume oh. sign, and there's prostitutes, Flamboy. I guess. Yeah. Um, oh my. There's scantily clad women in lingerie dancing seductively. Yeah. They and then they throw opium seeds up and get lion and Dorothy and Toto very high that they pass out. Um, the metaphors <laughs> in this movie are um, interesting sometimes. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, they granted, were flamboyant. New York. Well, like, they were prostitutes. They were, yeah. pro- like, and it- granted, and, and New York was going through a really bad drug crisis at the time, especially with heroin. So. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess. 
what's the thing i we don't like for people that you know grew up um in the 1970s like this makes sense where you know <laughs> yeah like, like now we it's get it. drug drug use was a problem i mean it is still a problem like it, it's just it's not heroin now it's um prescription pain kills pain, pain that kills. and uh fentanyl right yeah fentanyl is really bad right now and i mean it's an actual crisis and like nobody's fucking talking about that sorry yeah well we have a super bad opioid crisis down here yeah and it's because uh you know if you haven't listened to the dollop they actually did a two-part series on opium in america they don't need any more advertising okay we are small shut the fuck up you advertised casper mattresses a week or two ago so shut the fuck up (laughs) i love you okay you know what? Saying mean things and then saying I love you doesn't make it right, okay? But you know I love you. I know, but still. This is an abusive relationship. You. you know what? I'm done with you. I'm just gonna go. No, you're not. You're still here. <laughs> Did that sound like I ran away and then slammed the door? No. Damn. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> um, but anyway, Lion wakes up first, and he thinks Dorothy and Toto are dead. Also, props <laughs> to whoever, you know, did that Toto doll, because it looked like a dead dog. <laughs> oh, God. Ugh. It was bad. I think I cried. Um... <laughs> Anyway, Lion is, like, super, oh, my God, she's dead. And then he decides he's going to pitch himself off of the top of the building. But they stop him. Obviously, Lion has depression issues. This was, like, when the movie got really fucking dark. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's rated G, everybody. Yeah, I mean, there was parts of this movie that was like, man, (laughs) what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Um, but then, you know, she manages to calm him down and she sings him a song. Is it just me or did the beginning of that song sound like Reading Rainbow? (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. I don't remember Reading Rainbow. Just a little bit. Da-na-na-na. Book. Reading Rainbow. Is that? No? Okay. Yeah, that was it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, and then everybody was like, I'm a lion, and that was that song, it is not my favorite. (laughs) And then they're all happy and set, and they go over the Brooklyn Bridge to the Big Apple, and you know it's the Big Apple. Because there's a big motherfucking apple. Because the sun is a big fucking apple. I don't know. I don't. That was a weird exposition shot. <laughs> Just the sun coming up and it's a golden delicious apple and then it turns into a big red apple and you're like, what the fuck? But whatever. We get it. No, because like, think about it. you on the head. Well, if you think <laughs> about it, right, because like the next scene or whatever, remember how stuff goes gold, green and red? Mm-hmm. Eh, and oh. it's the big apple. Oh, eh. Yeah, that's right. Woo. Okay. 
So, yeah, Emerald City is also New York. Manhattan. Obviously. Yeah, definitely Manhattan. Um, then they get inside, and everyone is dancing. One of the things I noticed about the dancing is the people that were in the innermost circle of the dance were all, like, in Egyptian poses, where all of their front body was, all of their body was facing, but their, their, uh, their face was pointed to the side, which is, a, you know, if you look at Egyptian hieroglyphics, you know, you see all four limbs and only half the face. Mm. I don't know if that was purposeful, but that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. Um, oh, by the also, way, at the end of whatever, um, it said that during that scene, they had a lot of uh, like designer clothes and stuff. Including Ralph Lauren. Nice. Yeah. Lauren or Lauren? Lauren. Shut up. I fucking hate you. He does all of our American USA shit for the Olympics. Always. Really? Um, Dumb. he does. Uh, I would Speaking also. Speaking of which, the Olympics out. are tomorrow. What? Or. Oh, look at me making a reference. Well, um, I mean, they've already started technically, but we're recording this on Thursday, so. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I noticed was during the gold part of that dance scene, mm-hmm. people were voguing on top of that gold piano. You know what? Madonna didn't invent that shit. Of course she didn't. It was the gays. It was an underground subculture, you know, and it made its way into this movie because they're voguing on top of that piano. It's pretty yeah, cool. Holy but leaf. I know, but like, voguing was actually like a like you said, um, it was an underground subculture, like a dance early for the sixties and seventies. So, yeah, yeah, but like people would go to clubs and they would vogue and they would get famous because of it in like the horror. Harlem ballroom scenes, right? And it like, mm-hmm. um, but the like, the modern voguing is from the late nineteen eighties, um, and that like evolved out of the uh, Harlem uh, ballroom scene of the nineteen sixties. Mm-hmm. So Madonna went to one of these like gay clubs, or you know, and she um, saw it. Yeah, or um. It's like the the thing Paris is Burning, right? If you've ever mm-hmm. seen that movie, um, they yeah. they talk about that, and then Madonna saw it, and then she did the song about Vogue. So that's when it got mainstream exposure. Yeah, exactly. So I wouldn't say Madonna appropriated culture, but she sure as fuck didn't really give any credit to where she found that stuff. From. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was in, again, it was in the documentary Paris is Burning. Yeah. Now, they finally get to meet the wizard. I think the cameras and the microphone people are weird. Yeah. (laughs) But they finally get to meet the wizard, and they all give their wishes. And this is where my favorite pun comes in, where Scarecrow is like, I'd like a brain, your majesty, some of your great, Wisdom. Um, 
<laughs> that was good. It was See, funny. the scarecrow is smart. He is. Like, I thought that watching the whole movie, I was like, why does he say he's dumb? He's like the smartest, like, you know, he's very book smart. <laughs> mm. When you stand up there all day, you got plenty to read coming out of you, you know? So, um, anyways, um, so yeah, they're granted the audience, they go up there, and, um, it's a giant fire-breathing metallic head that only, um, who will only grant their wishes if they kill the sister of the Wicked Witch of the East, um, which is the Wicked Witch of the West, Evil Lean, which, funny enough, is my nickname, now this See what I did is there? where we get that my name's Ashleen. I got that oh, really got did you, you? did you I got you <laughs> I understood it wasn't a very good pun though I hate you <laughs> but I basically look this, like her okay you do not no I this is where the metaphor is literally on the fucking nose they work in a sweatshop there are people in chains and there's a woman that's cracking a whip yeah yeah. (laughs) she's fucking horrible but she has the best song in the whole damn movie (laughs) that bad news is catchy it was a catchy song I was like, yeah, I can agree with that. I think we are all Eveline at some point with that song. Like, don't you bring me no bad news. <laughs> don't nobody bring me no bad news. No. Um, the flying monkeys were very strange. Yeah. Well, they were like a motorcycle it was cool. game. It was cool that they were motorcycles, though. Yeah. It's better than those ones on rollerblades in the 1993 Return to Oz with Feruza Balk. I thought that. I thought that came out earlier. It was ninety. It was ninety one, ninety two, or ninety three. I'm not sure. It was early nineties though. It was mm-hmm. a creepy ass movie. It was like the end of Disney's dark era. Like, <laughs> Disney had a really dark era in the eighties. When a lot of sunshine and happy tunes coming out of that. thing. <laughs> yeah, and then that kind of changed with uh, Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, Eveline's totally not playing. The flying monkeys get Dorothy and everybody and bring them in. Okay, she cuts the scarecrow in half. She crushes the Tin Man. Then she pulls the tiger up by its tail. Ha ha, very funny. And then she's like, you want mustard and sauerkraut with your hot dog? Because she's going to throw Toto in the fucking fire. Oh, that part? Oh, girl. Okay. I was like, what? She can't kill the dog? What? I I was like, man, if that dog dies, I am bursting out crying. <laughs> I quit. I can handle a person dying in a movie, but damn you if you fucking kill a dog. Yeah. <sighs> No, that it was a. Cool. It was pretty messed up. Like, Eveline oh. was pretty fucking evil. Yeah, this movie's rated G. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I don't get it. Um, but yeah. Anyway, Dorothy's like, yeah, sure, I'll fucking give you these shoes. Just don't kill my dog, right? And yeah, the, even she, after she like cut the t- scarecrow in half, flattens the Tin Man, and tortures the lion. She's like, "Don't kill my dog! <laughs> <laughs> Don't kill my dog!" Um, but yeah, anyway, she's taking the shoes off, and the scarecrow, you know, kind of points out to her that you know there's this uh, fire thing. And so she presses it, and then the sprinklers come on. Which you gotta, like, I have I'm- to point point this out, right? So it's a sweatshop, right? And that's like kind of the deal. But at least it had some safety safety measures in there. Right? With the sprinklers. Okay. Obviously they were up her. to code. <laughs> Fuck. In some capacity. Maybe. Anyway, she turns on the sprinklers and that bitch goes, I'm allergic to water. Fuck. The she gets kind of flushed down a toilet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, does that mean that she's a literal pile of shit? Um, That's what I'm going with. Yeah. <laughs> she was a horrible person, and she died. And then, there is... Okay, so, like, the slavery thing was definitely on the nose with the metaphor. Like, it was definitely a whole metaphor for slavery. And then the very next scene in that area is a liberation scene with Mm -hmm. a song about how they're free at last. And then, um, like, they're freed from their permanent costumes or whatever. And, like, it reveals that, like, you know, they're people underneath. Exactly, like like there are people underneath the caricatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got that too. I was like, "That's nice. That's a good one." You know, it's very subtle. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and they, you know, they dance and enjoy, like, in praise, and like Dorothy is their emancipator, right? And mm-hmm. um, so the flying monkeys give her and her friends a ride back to Emerald City. To the top of the uh, the building where the um, wizard is. Yeah. And they have a back entrance. And it's literally a door that's not locked. And then they go in. And they find out that the wizard is just some guy that wanted to be a dog catcher. Yep, a guy named Herman Smith, who's a failed politician... From Atlantic City, New Jersey, who failed all of his campaigns, and then he was trying to become the city dog catcher and got lost in a storm. To be fair, Trump wasn't that well known yet. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, wow. To be fair. I would also like to add... That my favorite quote from this film is Scarecrow going, public office is the last refuge of the incompetent. (laughs) This movie was made 40 years ago. Yeah. And the relevance of that statement. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) It was beautiful. 
It's absolutely beautiful. I said, ain't that the fucking truth? That's what I put in my notes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Now, oh, yeah. yeah. Richard Pryor's not funny in this movie. No, no. Very disappointing. He's like this guy that's got super bad anxiety. And he's a hermit. Yeah. Weird. Yet, like, he's uh, supposed to be, like, this great, the great and powerful Oz. Yeah. Now, in the original film, it was the wizard that gave everyone their attributes and said, you actually, you know, you have all these things that you were searching for. I like that in this movie, it's Dorothy, because Dorothy would know more than the wizard would. Mm -hmm. She's been with them the whole time. Yeah. So she goes through with everybody, and she's like, you know, you don't need a brain. You, you know, you're really smart. You helped, you know, you did all these wonderful things that helped us discover, you know, like, you're smart. Like, I'm not going to go through the things. Yeah. Uh, and, and then she's like, you know, for a man without soul, Tin Man, you're very caring and nurturing and stuff like that and lion you saved us all you know and you weren't scared to be tortured when you know eveline was gonna torture you because i wouldn't give her the fucking shoes like yeah uh, i don't think she said fucking well she didn't there's no f-words in this movie it's very clean yeah except for the prostitutes (laughs) uh (laughs) they yeah, I, I do like that part. That part. That part. <laughs> that part? Oh, sweet Jesus. That's not what I said the first time. That fart? I did. I said that. I like that I fart, quit. too. <laughs> I quit. <sighs> okay. Are you going to um, rush out now? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Anyways, let's finish this off. So, what ended up happening? <laughs> See, that's why I need you to talk, Gracie, because I trip over my words. Um, well, just so you know, the Witch of the South had a Southern accent. Thought it was funny. Oh, I didn't kind know this. She had a she had a Southern accent in the first couple of sentences, and then she kind of lost it because she started singing. But yeah, basically, she told Dorothy. That you had it in you all along to go home. All you had to do was click your heels three times. Okay, so... I do have to say, though. So, Glinda, the good witch of the South, right? Those babies in the background, do you, like, notice how the entire time they're just kind of, like, staring off and they're probably, like, actually thinking in their head, what the fuck is going on? Like, what the fuck are we doing here? You know what? I don't like Glinda. Glinda is the villain in this movie for me. You want to know why? Because she plucked a girl out of nowhere who was just minding her own business and going to get her dog out of a storm and then put her in this horrible place. Yeah, but she... And then at the end was like, yeah, bitch, but all you had to do was click your heels three times. Bless your heart. All you had to do was click your heels three times. Exactly. Gee, like, thanks. Um, <laughs> no, you know what, though? Like, it, then Dorothy wouldn't have gone on this, like, journey of self-discovery without, you know, going. So, That's I mean, true. Glinda did some good. Although, 
I don't are those babies like supposed to be hers? Like are they hers or know. like they did she just kidnap does she kidnap children and put them I in her starry know. sky? Like I need I, to know this, okay? What what is the deal with the random babies? I need background information. Exactly. And I have none. There There's is no context. There is no context for the random babies in the background. Are they her grandchildren? Like, what's the deal here? Um, if anybody knows, you can send it to Peace River, Alberta. I need to know. Um, uh, but yeah, so the movie ends after Dorothy collects her heels. Also worth noting, the Wiz doesn't get to go anywhere. Oh. He's got to learn... He's got to learn what's within himself to go home. Poor guy. <laughs> um, yeah, she goes home, and the way it ends is she picks up Toto, and then she runs into the house. And that's the end of the movie. I don't like the way it ended. Because yeah. she doesn't resolve anything with her Annie M. You know? Yeah, like, did she... Did she move out? Right? I need... An epilogue. <laughs> mm-hmm. At least with The Wizard of Oz from the 1930s, we have Dorothy waking up and it's all a fever dream. And she's like, all of you were there and I learned this important life lesson. With this movie, it's literally, she gets dropped back into the middle of Harlem. She picks up her dog. She's all happy. She runs into the house. What the fuck? No, you just like, literally five minutes have passed since your fight with Annie M. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I need an epilogue. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, um, let's talk tests, shall we? Yes. Oh, okay. by the way, I didn't mention, like, um, Quincy Jones had done all the, the music, like, the arrangement of the music. We never, like, mentioned yeah. that. Oh, you mentioned him at the beginning. That's what... Makes it so interconnected to now. That also explains why when I went on IMDb yesterday or the day or today, like the interest in the Wiz had gone up like a thousand fucking percent. Apparently because of that Quincy Jones interview. Huh. It's interesting. Very interesting. Very. Because you know, uh, there's that rating system of like popularity. You know, on searches for IMDb. Hmm. You know, and it was up by a lot today, which I thought was weird, you know, considering. But I guess now I understand why it went up. So, test number one, the Bechdel test. Two named women women having a conversation alone on screen about something other than a man. I guess this one technically passes because everyone fades into the background and it's just Dorothy and uh, Glinda at the end. Yeah, but she also talked to her mother. Or not her mother, her aunt, too, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, too. I forgot about that part. And it's about her job and not about a man. Yep. <laughs> so, it's a pass. Woohoo! Yeah. Racial Bechdel test. Two named black characters who uh, are on screen talking about someone other than a white character. There are no white characters in this film. Automatic pass. Yep. There's literally no white people in this movie. I loved it. 
Yeah, I mean, we need more this of that. This is like the first, this is the first film where literally nothing but black people. Like, Love Actually, nothing but white people. Well, I mean, and there was, was the few token circle. characters. What was but the yeah, one? So. Didn't we watch one movie where it had, like, no black people whatsoever? Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. It was only the stewardess. Oh, yeah. And also, uh, he's not, he's just not that into you. That was a super white movie for being in Baltimore. Fucking true. Uh, sexy lamp test where uh, you could replace a named woman with a sexy lamp and it not affect the storyline. Well, they're not named women. <laughs> so it's oh kind of god. a half pass. Oh my god. You could replace all of those prostitutes with sexy lamps. It would not affect the plot. The sexy lamps could have sprayed opium for all we know. They'd be Just like saying. those robots from um, Austin Powers. Exactly. The fembots. <laughs> sexy lamp bots. So that one is a half. It half passes. Only they didn't have names though, names. okay? It's not like one was named Susan or Samantha or Tanya Harding. Uh, now, the Mako Mori test is where a woman has her own plot and own, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Character development that doesn't involve a man. A male, yeah, it doesn't move along a male character storyline. This was a little iffy. I said that it passed only because ultimately her character arc was the most important one. Yeah, and it didn't involve a man. Like there was it, it, it wasn't a romance was, novel or romance no, story. It was, very, it was all journey this whole movie was a journey of self-discovery for her. Mhm. And it was actually the male characters of the film that were the ones that helped her reach her own character arc. Mm-hmm. They furthered her storyline. So I put it as yes. It passes. Yep. Now, DuVernay test. DuVernay test is when they are, there are black characters who have a storyline and an arc that has nothing to do with a white character. Automatic pass. There are no white characters. Uh, and then we have the Furiosa test, which is not applicable because the internet didn't even exist yet. Well, it did in its infancy, but not the Now, same. if we were to say there was probably outrage in more conservative media about The Wizard of Oz being made into a film where it's all black people, oh, I am sure... I, nay, I am positive there were people that were writing their op-eds about how horrible it was. Mm-hmm. Because people Cause are they shit. Because they do that shit now with superheroes that they turn black like the Human Torch. Yeah. Don't fuck with, don't fuck, you know, with, uh... Fictional characters. Is that is that actually? I mean, we should probably have that as like another test. Like, is that a test where, you know, like if a character is, I guess we could call it the Human Torch. 
uh, test. I guess because it was so bad for Michael B. Jordan. Oh no no no! What was that other character? Human Torch. Yeah, what was that other character that was? Um, people were real mad from the Hunger Games. Yeah. Fuck! What was um, her name? Hunger Games. I'm gonna look it up. Oh, uh, Rue. Rue. We should call it the Rue test. The Rue test. Yes, the Rue test. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, Katniss. What Katniss wasn't a white girl either. Like the way she's described in the books, yeah. I would put her more as Indigenous American. Yeah. Honestly. But you know you can't have that in the movie. Main character that isn't white. That's <gasps> <gasps> a completely okay to whitewash. You know. Like, yeah. according to the, the media, it's perfectly fine. But, you know, when I mentioned in a forum about how I thought it would be cool if the Iron Fist, Danny Rand, would be cast as, you know, an Asian male in the, in the, in it. Yeah. People break me over the coals. Well, Danny Rand's blonde in the comics. I'm like, yeah, and Danny Rand is a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> is he? Why? Why can't he? He's. I hate. I just don't like Iron Fist because he's just. I don't know. Out of all the Marvel shows going on right now, I find him to be the least relatable. I wouldn't even say relatable. I would just say, like, I don't like his character because there's not much to build on with him. Yeah. You know? Oh, hey, so Jessica Jones coming out with season two. I'm so excited. Me too. Uh, I have to say, though, like, Jessica Jones and the Punisher were, like, so fucking good. I really liked Luke Cage, too. But Jessica Jones and the Punisher were, like, top tier. Luke Luke Cage had kind of a slow start, but then it got really good after... uh, Cotton mouth got beat up. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> okay, Edge Lord. Yeah. Uh, you didn't even get I, that reference. Well, whatever. Well, it's just that, like, yeah. I don't know. Every like dude is like, "Oh, the Punisher's so cool," and it's like, "Okay, hold on, Edge Lord. Like, <laughs> you ain't that no, hard because really you like, like well, you I've like the Punisher." I've always liked the Punisher. Okay, Edgelord. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm allowed to like, you know, men with really horrifying backstories. And I'm allowed to make fun of you for killing. it. <laughs> Edgelord Gracie. Edgelord Gracie. She All edge, thinks no she's. Points. <laughs> <laughs> You like that? Yeah. <laughs> that made me par. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, based on the test, I would say that this is a very inclusive and feminist film. What do you think, Aisling? I thought it was a pretty feminist and inclusive film as well. Um, now, yeah. do you think it's a good movie? I, yes, I thought it was a very good movie. I liked the music. I found that it was a little bit slow. I feel like, because it, yeah. it was a two hour and 14 minute movie. I think they could have shortened it by a half hour. 
and it wouldn't have taken away from the plot. No. I don't think it's a great movie. I think it's a good movie, and I think the message is good. But, like, Diana Ross was overacting. Some of the music didn't make sense for the scenes that they were in and just seemed like a showcase of the actor's voice talent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, so, I mean, if I were to give it a score out of 10, I'd probably give it, like, a 6. You know? It's a good movie, but I don't think it's a great movie yeah that's my opinion i liked hidden figures a lot more yeah (laughs) hidden figures was a solid 10 for me it's a fucking good movie (laughs) uh and next week we are going to be doing hmm i think we're gonna be doing selma next week is it selma are we doing get out no get out's the last one okay we actually have a bonus episode this month oh yeah (laughs) was it did i just spoil it yeah you did it's okay but uh we're going our our movies for this month if you want to kind of get ahead on it and watch them that way you'll you know be up to date on it uh we're going to be watching selma get out and the in the heat of the night the movie not the tv show uh, with Sydney Poitier. Yeah. So you guys should really brush up on those. We'll be doing Selma next week. Excuse me. I burped. <laughs> so if you guys haven't watched those films and you don't want to be spoiled, definitely give them a watch because they are all good in their own way. And they're all very different. It's going to be cool. I haven't seen any of them. a lot of variety. Well, yeah, like we chose these movies, you know, all for a reason right exactly all the movies Um, we've chosen have uh, a reason behind them of why we're doing them so um what because next month is oscar month right exactly and then we're also which i cannot wait to watch that one movie because like i haven't seen it since the since it came out and like Mm -hmm. that's gonna be fun to rewatch and be like hmm what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. Because uh, our Oscar month, we're going to be looking at Best Picture winners. Yes. So you'd be surprised at what gets a Best Picture win. Yeah. Some are fucking terrible. Oh, we know which one that is, maybe. <laughs> uh, wink, wink. Anyway. I've got stories um, about that If you one. guys want to contact us, you can look up our Facebook page, The Feminist Critique. Oh, hey. Um, um, about, like, we got to, I think next week. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you on this thing. I think next week we have to do two of these. I think we do. Yeah, because I'm moving at the end of the month, so it's going to be fucking hell. Um, so, so I guess we'll have our bonus episode next week. Yeah. When Get I... Out's going to be the last one we do. Uh, only because it'll be right before the Oscars, which are March 4th. Yeah. So uh, we'll do Selma next week. And I think by Thursday we'll have um, we'll have uh, 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 In the Heat of the Night out as well. So yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Um. Yes. 
Also, I uh, do want to add that I'm going to be working on making videos of our podcast and putting them on YouTube. That way you have some visual references. So if you're listening to this and you're listening to it on YouTube, this is what I decided to do it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. What? You're not excited for that? It's just a different platform for people that, you know, don't like to listen to podcasts. I've seen it done with the uh, the Bible Reloaded. Um, yeah, but we're Google both not in the same room. We don't need to be. I can make a PowerPoint presentation with picture references. Oh, I guess that makes sense then, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what the Bible Reloaded does when they do their Bible study stuff. Like, you should totally check out Hugo and Jake, by the way. I'm just giving them free publicity. Wait, there's um, a whole podcast about Bible stuff? Well, it's on YouTube. It's amazing. I have a feeling I won't watch it. I'm sorry. It's okay. Atheist. Um, I mean, agnostic. I'm not really sure. I'm one of those assholes. New well, age. It's called crystals. Atheist. It's called atheist Bible study, and it's really good. Um, mm. But anyway, you can check out our Facebook. It's the Feminist Critique. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter. 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 Check me out on Twitter. Shrishrush. <laughs> I can't talk. You can check me out on Twitter. At South of Grace. And then I also have southofgrace.com. Aileen? Trishers? I'm sorry. You're fine. Um, yeah, okay, so you guys can check me out on Twitter because that's where the stuff is. Um, I forget, I think I changed my name again on Twitter. <laughs> I have to see. I'm just gonna quickly Google Aisling, it. you've got to stop doing this. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. But yeah, it's uh, it's Ajeline and then S, that's A I S L E N E S. Super simple. You're, you totally don't get it. I don't know. You can backtrack this 15 seconds. Do it. Do it. Do it. Um, also, I am on other stuff. Uh, don't add me on Facebook. Please don't. Um, but you can uh, add me on Instagram, which I am also A-I-S-L-E-N-E-S. And then uh, there's also my radio station website, which is kix.fm. That's K-I-X dot F-M. Super simple. You can listen to me talk during the day, which uh, I'm usually on from 2 until 6. And that is, uh, what's the thing? Mountain time. Yeah, that's the thing. Okay, that's it. Bye. Well, we will see you guys next week. Bye. Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.